Good morning, today's daf is daf Samach Gimel. We're going to go for the fourth last line of Samach Beis, Amit Beis, 62b. Remember yesterday we mentioned that uh, obviously a husband has rights to his wife and uh, depending on his profession and his trade, how often those rights. We then went on to the uh, um, to discuss what about Talmudai Chachomim and Yeshiva students who want to go learn, do that, they'll get permission from their wife. And we said... For without permission, they can go for a short stint. With permission, theoretically, they can go as long as they want or see uh, necessary. And, uh, um, with permission. Um, but we mentioned at the top of yesterday's Amud that what's appropriate? If he doesn't act appropriately, even if he gets permission from his wife, but it might be coerced or something, and she's going to be filled. Uh, what's it? Uh, Disappointed, aggravated, um, restricted, etc., then he might suffer the consequences of upsetting his wife, even if she said, um, even though she said, yes, you can go and learn for a few years or whatever it is. So the person's got to be very sensitive. We then brought a whole lot of stories of great Tamidei Chachomim who took off 12 years to go learn. So the one question I just I remembered, I forgot to say yesterday, but we, we'll see, I mean, the Two or three stories before yesterday was 12 years. The Trebiya Kibbutz starts with 12 years. So what's the, uh, what's the 12 years? So the Marshal suggests, very interestingly, he says that we know in Pirka Havos it says 18 to Chupa and 30 to strength. That's 12 years. He says that's the ideal time a person should spend learning, between 18 and 30. But the problem is if he has, all, has children and stuff and all those responsibilities, that's going to weigh heavily on him and he's not going to be able to devote his energy to learning. So these great Tamidei Chachomim who married, as we said, they're exceptions. Tosfos said that they're exceptions, they're not the rule. They're before the exceptions, these great, great Tamidei Chachomim who married these exceedingly pious women, they have the... Uh, um, they would go and learn for 12 years in this time. Inches now, some of them would still have children, but I guess they would like to... Uh, go to, to uh, I mean in those days communication between country, cities was one thing, never mind countries or, you know, so they would go and learn and just focus for 12 years straight um, to become uh, the leaders of the Jewish uh, the leaders of their generation the key links in the Jewish train, uh, chain of transmission but that was interesting, where do they there's a bit of discussion, where do they, why is it all, with all of them it's 12 years um now let's go on to the story of Rabbi Kiva. This is the famous story of Rabbi Akiva. Um, interesting enough, so we're going to read our version in uh, Ksubas. It's the story with more details. Sometimes they, sometimes they slightly contradictory details. Sometimes they're just uh, fleshing it out or adding different aspects to the story. But it's in just about so many different. It's here in uh, Ksubas. It's in the Dorim. It's in Tanit Veiliyahu. It's in Avos the Rebbe Nosson. The same core story, but added. Um, information, but let's just see inside the Rabbi Akiva, the Ben Raya, the Ben Kavos of Have it. Rabbi Akiva was the shepherd of the son of Kavos of Interesting here it says of the son of Kavos of We generally say of Kavos of Interesting, why was he called so this wealthy, wealthy man, Kavos of We mentioned, was it in Tainus, I think, why he got his title? And that was because he was so wealthy and generous that anyone who would walk into his house as hungry as a dog, Kalva, would leave Sofua satiated. So Rabbi Akiba was his shepherd. 
the daughter saw that he was um, modest and very capable, had very lofty uh, qualities. She said to him, she said to him, and this is the daughter to the, of this extremely wealthy man to the shepherd. She says, will you, if, you, if I marry you, will you go learn in yeshiva? So Amr he said, yes, I will. So they eloped, and she sent him off to yeshiva. When her, when her father heard that she had married the shepherd, he kicked her out of the home and took a nether that she's not allowed to get benefit from any his any of his property. She proposed to him. Yeah, she proposed to him. So quite an unusual situation, especially from yeah. a millionaire. <laughs> yeah, um, very what would you call it? Very uh, modern, very progressive, liberal. Yeah. Um, now Tosus just here asked a very interesting question from Sochim. Um, it's Tosus Dibra Maskil Dahave Sanyo Mali. We said she noticed Rabbi Akiva was very modest and had a very Great qualities. In Sochem, it's discussing uh, different uh, Amorites and how to deal with them. And Rabbi Akiva there says, When I was an Amorite, when I was a shepherd before my wife sent me off to learn, if, if someone, <coughs> my true desire was to just get hold of a Talmud Chacham and bite him like a donkey. Doesn't sound like a very refined uh, person with high character traits that you know that you see. Oh, that that person could grow up to be a special uh, person. That person has a lot of pain. So he says, It's not because he hated Tamilachachavim. This is this. I think this is an amazing insight into uh, just pe- dealing with people in general. Tosos has answered to the question. He says, Gain al he thought that the Tamidei Chachomim looked down on the Amorites, were degrading to the Amorites. Why? Because they knew Torah. Remember, Tamidei Chachomim were careful with the Amorites, with Amaratsim touching them because of their Tumah and etc. So he thought, um, yeah, Amorites Midrash, it said, are considered Midrash as if they're very Tomei. Um, so he wasn't, it was, what was the story here? Rabbi Akiva wasn't, didn't hate Tamilei Chachomim. He just felt very ashamed by them. He felt that they looked down upon him and hated him and it, it was terrible for his uh, frame of mind. It says, But he did uh, keep mitzvahs. So he brings that from Rabbeinu Tam. But what's the insight here? And there's some shul all feel. You go into certain shuls where there's a very set uh, Procedure, dress code, etc. You feel looked down upon. You feel you feel targeted. You feel persecuted. No one's you feel self-conscious. No one's doing anything to you. But that self-conscious makes you project and feel that everyone hates you and dislikes you and is out to get you. And Rabbi Tam saying that's what Rabbi Akiva when it says that Rabbi Akiva says I want you to bite the Tamil Chacham. It's not that he had this bad manner that he hated them. He's saying that they created such a level of self-consciousness in him that he would do anything to get out of it. Um, just I think we also have to be sensitive when we have our practices and our set routines and our, uh, and our set community and how do people feel when they come into that community do they feel judged, do they feel uh, looked down upon or do they feel uh, do they feel uh, persecuted okay, not anything that we're necessarily doing intimidated that's, yeah, all those words um, very good um, it's not not that we're trying to make them feel that way, but we have to be sensitive that our environment isn't making other people feel that way. 
like uh, things like that. I thought it was an amazing Tosfos. Igdushalei. So they did kiddushin, and she sent him off to yeshiva. Also, Yosef Kaysarishani, Bebe Rav, he went and he learned for 12 years in a yeshiva. Ki Asa, I remember, um, it's interesting, in Amos de Rebidosan, one of the points that elaborates the famous story with the water dripping. I mean, give us a bit hesitant. He's up 40 years old. I'm not going to be able to go learn Torah. And then he noticed this, water, this rock that had this been worn away. So he says, what, what cut through this rock? What cut through the stone? Or what made the hole through it? They tell him, no, look, it's the water dripping constantly. He says, ah, but if water, which is very soft, can wear away a hard, hard stone with, with slow determination, then, um, then my heart, which a human heart, which is soft, and Torah, we say, is as harsh as iron, how much more so it can uh, make an impression. And he went and he learned. Um, he was returning home after 12 years with 12,000 students. And he heard this elder saying to his wife, For how long are you going to live as an aguna, a living, uh, a living widow? So, if he would listen to me, Yosef he would stay another 12 years. She didn't know that her husband was around the corner coming home, but she said, my approach is he's got to become as great a Talmud Chacham as he can, and, if in, and he must go for another 12 years. He said, he heard his wife talking to this old man, and he said, ah, I've been given permission. He went and he sat another 12 years in the yeshiva, and he learned. So now we're discussing after 24 years, but just before we go there, um, as I said in the Torah, it's a slightly different version, but here, just interesting, according to our version, it was Amaret trying to goad her. What are you doing living like this? Where's your husband, etc.? Um, elsewhere, it speaks about the poverty that they lived in. Rabbi Akiva and his wife, especially. I mean, remember, she was this wealthy heiress, and she married a shepherd, her father disowned her. She had nothing. Rabbi Akiva, they lived off straw. They used straw as their mattresses, straw as their fuel, straw, you know, they really um, lived in true poverty. But yeah, uh, Tosos, I think it's in Chulim, says whenever you see the word Saba, it's often, can't always be, but it's very, very often referring to Eliyahu. So Eliyahu Novi, she obviously realized, came and spoke to her and said, how long are you going to live as a widow? Maybe Eliyahu Novi wanted Rabbi Akiva to hear this, uh, her approach, how happy she was with what he was doing, growing and developing. Um, but carrying on with the story, so 12, 24 years later, Omar Bishus Kavdina, he says, oh, sorry, he said, I have a permission, also out of Yosef Trey, sorry, Shonei Achrisi, Bevairav, he went to your ship for another 12 years, Ki Asa Aishi, Bahare Eshrim, Ba'arba, Alfei Tamidem, when he came back, he had doubled his, the people here, his students and the people he had given Smitha to, to 24,000. Shama de Visayu, Havekonofot Lape, so his wife heard and she came running to meet him, Omrulei, Shivuvasa, his neighbor said, you better borrow nice clothes and put them on and go meet your husband. You haven't seen him in 24 years, you're going to wear your rags. This Omrulahu, she said to him, a tzaddik knows this, the heart, knows the essence of his animal. Rabbi Kiva didn't marry me because of my fancy clothes. He, and he knows, he knows the sacrifice I've done. These rags are actually a badge of honor for me. I think that's what she's saying. When she saw, she ran up to him and she kissed his, fell on his feet and kissed him. Rabbi Akiva's uh, students, assistants, saw this beggar coming and 
and uh, starting to harass their Rebbe. So they started pushing her away. Amalei. So Lahu, Rebbe Akiva said to them, Shavkei Shiliva, Shalchem Shalohu, what's mine and what is yours is hers. All our merit is only hers. Now, it seemed just a, a line in the, yeah, just interesting. Tosos, oh, oh, sorry, let's go on a bit further. So her father had been, it seems like since the day he took this letter banning his wife from, uh, from, from, sorry, banning his daughter from getting any benefit from his property, he felt bad. He said that in anger, it was his daughter at the end of the day. So he heard, he heard that there was this great Tamar Chokhan coming to town. Let me go speak to him. Maybe he'll find a reason to. And now my letter. Remember, uh, uh, you can either go to a Tamar Chokhan or a Bezidin of three to find if there's a condition that at the time you took the letter, had you known it, you would not have taken the netter, and then the netter can be annulled. So he's hoping that this great Talmud Chochem who's coming to town will be able to do it. So I said, the Gavre Omele, I died to the Gavre Rabbah, me Nidnadarta. says, if you had known that he would become a great Talmud Chochem, would you have taken your netter? So Omar he said to him, and you can tell the reverse of what the state of what Rabbi Akiva was at the time, he says, if he even knew one perek or even knew one halacha, I wouldn't have made such a netter. So Omar Lay, Anahu, he says, well, I am your son-in-law, I'm the man, so your net is cancelled because we found a Pesach, an opening. He fell on his face, he fell on his face, he kissed Rabbi Akiva's feet, and he gave him half of his wealth. So just two interesting Tosos asked here, he says, but wait, you're not allowed to find a Pesach, more, more than I want to bring out the question, I want to bring out Tosos as one answer, but he says, Tosos asks, it's at the top of the page, he says, You're not allowed to make a Pesach with something that comes about in the future. I, what's this Pesach? Is that if he's a Tamil Chocham, I wouldn't have taken the Neder. But he's not allowed to take a Neder. He's not allowed to use a Pesach of something that was not in existence at the time of the Neder. I, the condition has to be in existence at the time of the Neder for the Pesach to work. So just because in the future Rebbe Akiva came a Talmud Chochem, that's not good enough. It has to be something that he wasn't a Talmud Chochem at the time that the Neder was taken. I, the Pesach would be, is, oh, you thought she was marrying an ignoramus. Did you, if you would have known that at the time it was a Talmud Chochem, would you have allowed it? But not that he will become a Talmud Chochem. Because that's something that's only comes into existence in the future. So that's Tosos's question. So he says, very interestingly, it's a third line from the top of the page. It says, the Yesh Loimar, Noilat. In this case, regarding learning Torah, not considered something that newly in existence. Kiven because once he's gone to Yeshiva, Someone who commits to go and learn. Literally, he goes to learn, but he commits to go and learn. He will basically automatically become a Talmud Chacham. The first step in becoming a Talmud Chacham, and, and if you carry through with that, it's almost inevitable, is that commitment. And he says, therefore, remember by that stage, by the time he heard his daughter had eloped and married this, uh, his shepherd, he had gone off to, he had already, to, the condition was that you will go and learn. So when he made the net, Rabbi Akiva was already well on the way to becoming a Talmud Chacham. Granted, he might not have learned one Pasuk yet. He probably he didn't even know the Aleph Beis yet. Uh, in Avost Rabbi Nathan, it speaks about how he sat with his, Rabbi Akiva sat with his one son and he was uh, trying to learn the Aleph Beis. Um, 
but that's uh, um, but since he had committed to dedicate 12 years of his life or whatever it was to Yeshiva it's almost inevitable that he would become a Tamar Chochem and it's not considered something that only comes into existence in the future the second answer Tosos gives is a more um, logical and says maybe he made the condition he says I'm banning you from my house because you didn't marry a Tamar Chochem something like that or which means that sorry or no it wouldn't have been that it would be but something along the lines says I'm banning you from my property unless your husband becomes a Talmud Chochum, something like that. And obviously he could make the net and find a Pesach. I mean, is, you have to just look technically what, she, what he hung his net on. Okay, but that's the story of Rebbe Kibbe. And also interesting, didn't we say a few days ago that you're not allowed to give away more than 20% of your wealth? So how could he give away 20% to half his money to Rebbe Kibbe? So I was thinking maybe family's different. It's for his daughter. You can give, uh, we saw when it comes to debt, you can give away more, etc. So maybe for your daughter, uh, maybe your family, you can give a bit more. And then the other one, I was thinking, this is actually a support for the, maybe it's a support for what the, the Chofetz Chaim made a suggestion. He says, if you want to give money to support Torah learning, you can give more than a fifth, because that's actually an investment and not a... Not a donation, not a distribution. So I was thinking maybe this could actually be a support. He, he, he could give Rabbi Akiva lots of wealth because that's an investment, not a, not a donation. Did okay. Rabbi, did Rabbi Akiva have children? Yeah. It seems from the one midrash, it seems he had married her and he already had children before he. I don't know, maybe it was from a past wife or I don't know if it was uh, Rachel, uh, Rachel, I think was the name of uh, the daughter of Kalba Sabua that he married. Um, or from Rachel, but from others to Rebbe he definitely had a son then, and now we're going to see he had another, definitely had another daughter. Says Barate the Rebbe Akiva, I think in Gemara, whenever we see Ben Korcha, don't remember his name, I think it might be Yoshua Ben Korcha, Ben Korcha, I think that's Rebbe Akiva's son, they say. And so Barate the Rebbe Akiva of the long, the Ben Azahachi, the daughter of Rebbe Akiva, had the same practice as her mother, he says, with the regarding uh, Ben Azai. A you follows a you. She followed in her mother's footstep and she sent her husband to learn for 12 years. The way the mother behaves, that's how a daughter behaves. Um, interestingly enough, with Ben Azai, it actually backfired because also the Gemara discusses how Ben Azai actually became so attached to his Torah learning, he separated from his wife. And they speak about him as, again, one in a one in a million, someone who feels so, so attached to their Torah learning that, uh, that a wife is actually uh, uh, detracts from that and he uh, stopped being with his wife. But, but that was Ben Azai. Now, Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef, the son of Rava, Father sent him to Yeshiva before Rav Yosef to learn in Yeshiva um, by Rav Yosef. He was, they decided that he would go. They agreed upon six years. After three years on Erev Yom Kippur, he said, you know, let me go home and see my family. He was married. They had agreed that he could go away for six years and he was coming back after three years. 
His father heard he was coming home and took out weapons to go and meet him. I don't think literally to attack him, but I think to show the severity of the situation. I'm prepared to stop you by gunpoint. says, What you remembered your prostitute. Again, there are many other variations of what this, uh, what this word should be. But on the surface, I think he's saying what you caught up. We, you agreed upon learning for six years. You come back after six years. What, are you here just to fulfill your desires? What, what else could lure you away from your learning? So it's Ike to Omri. Omalei, you're not going to carry Some say, no. He said, have you remembered your dove and your wife? You're coming back to her? So it's Itrud Lomar. And they were so caught up in the argument and their and how, how they were feeling, neither managed to eat, um, neither, neither managed to eat on the Surah Mavsekes on the Yom Kippur, because of the disturbing encounter that they had had. Um, interesting to note, we see both of these stories. Firstly, he wanted to stop him taking uh, a weekend off from his six years of learning. We saw with Rabbi Akiva, they bring a few, so we saw with Rabbi Akiva the same thing. Rabbi Akiva is coming back for 12,000, he had been learning for 12 years. He's around the corner from going and saying hello to his wife for the first time in 12 years. He hears her tell someone, if, I knew, if my husband asked me, I would give him another 12 years. He says, I have permission, he runs off. Shouldn't he have had the decency to go inside, say hello to his wife, have a cup of coffee with her, and then go back to Yeshiva? Like, what, what's this, uh, uh, you know, Leonard, what's wrong with taking a weekend off? So the Bale Musa, Rakhim Shulevitz, and a, a lot bring. says you can't compare a straight stretch of dedicated learning than the same stretch broken up. So if Rabbi Akiv would have learned for 12 years, taken the afternoon off to go and uh, greet his wife and stuff. When he had permission not to, obviously, if that's what's necessary for the relationship, then it's not, he's not allowed to go outside of the expectations of the marriage, but where she was only too happy with it. For him to stop and learn for 12 years and then stop and then learn another 12 years, it would be incomparable, the quality of his learning, as opposed to learning for 24 years straight. Same, uh, what's it? Uh, it's a mathematical uh, paradox or enigma. 12 plus 12 does not equal 24. It's the same thing here. He was learning for three years straight to come home and spend Yom Kippur with his family or greet, say hello, have one meal with his family is not the same as, and then going for another three years. So granted, three plus three generally equals six. And the quality of the learning, and you can't compare it. Six years straight is not the same. And that's why when you get an agreement from someone to learn for X number of years and you take a break in the middle, you've actually not kept your side, side of the deal. Um, this is important to us. I think this is one of the malas of Dakyomi. Can't compare someone who's learning every single day to someone who learns on Monday, Wednesdays, and uh, Fridays. And even if they're putting in, we're putting in whatever, an hour a day, and they're putting in two and a half hours every day, it's not the same. Not say, obviously you've got to weigh up what you should be doing, what learning you're going to get the most out of, where, where you should be investing your time and energy. But there is something incredibly special about learning straight and again and with consistently day after day after day after day. And they bring that's one of the criticisms of Bainas Manim. They have good Yeshiva Bokhrim. They sit in Zman, they're learning uh, 12, of 12 hours, 8, 12, 16 hours a day, whatever they're managing. And then comes Bainas Manim and they're not learning. Because so that's very, very destructive to the quality of learning that they're doing. You must at least try persist with 
an amount. Obviously, the person has to weigh out what they're capable of, they need their balance money, they need whatever, but they should be learning at least every day, at least just to keep the to the, the longest stretch you can get. And I think it's the same thing. If you have an opportunity to learn 10 minutes now and come back and learn 10 minutes later, definitely take every 10 minutes, every 5 minutes that you can to learn. Chas I'm not saying that. But rather try and learn for 20 minutes in a row than for 10 minutes now, have a coffee break, make a few phone calls, and another 10 minutes. Okay, then. <laughs> Maybe you need it, but preferably not. Um, I'm not I'm not paskening for each scenario, but I think the concept is what we keep in mind and then take it and apply it to our lives. Um, next Mishnah. So we, the previous Mishnah was the obligation that a husband and a will more specifically how often the husband has to make himself available to his wife. And we can see obviously the wife has to make herself available to her husband. Um, so if a woman rebels against her husband, we're going to see does that mean she doesn't, she refuses to be intimate with him? Or does it mean she refuses to pay him her salary? We decrease her ksuba seven dinarim each week. Each week, i.e., and then over time it wears away at her ksuba. So, her ksuba, if it's a few years, she'll have no ksuba left. Rabbi Yehuda, I may shiva tarpaikin. Rabbi Yehuda says, no, not seven dinarim, seven tarpaikin. Now, at Moisai, who pays, how far can you decrease her ksuba? At Kenege ksubasa, to the full value. Until the ksuba is worth zero, but it seems he's saying, but only the part that's actually written in the ksuba. You can continuously decrease the ksuba forever because maybe she'll inherit other land. Right? Generally, remember a wife, one of certain properties that she has in the marriage, or what's called nifsebelu, where she still owes the property, her husband just has the rights to the produce. We're saying if she's a moredes, Rabbi Yossi is saying, the first time is you can't deduct that from the tzubah. It's not his. It's not something he owes her that to deduct. It's her nisay meluk. It's her property. So you can't deduct from that. The second opinion is you even deduct from that. And therefore you can keep a tab. Even if you finished all the value of the tzubah and all the money, you can still keep the calculation of what theoretically you're deducting from the tzubah because she might inherit land in the future. V'chayin ha-moyreid al ishto. And so too, a man who rebels against his wife, we increase the ksuba three dinarim each week. says not um, three dinarim, but three tarpekikim. We'll discuss in the Gemara what a tarpek is. We'll also discuss in the Gemara why when it's the woman, we decrease it seven dinarim each week. And when it's the man, we only increase the ksuba three dinarim each week. Okay, Moredis Mimai, when we say that they're rebelling, what are they rebelling from? So Rav Huna Amar Mi Tashmish Hamita, Rav Huna says it's from Tashmish, um, and Rabbi Yoisi, Rabbi Hanina, Amar Mila Malacha, and Rabbi Yoisi, Rabbi Hanina says from work. There's Tnan, but we learned in Amishna Bukhayin, Hamajir al Ishto, so to someone who rebels against his wife. It makes sense for, if you think the Mishnah, Moredes means from Tashmish. Why? Because she can refuse to 
be with him, and he can refuse to be intimate with her. So if she refuses, we'll decrease the ksuba. If he refuses, we'll increase the ksuba. So you'll have to, if he doesn't, so it doesn't give in, he'll end up paying a high ksuba. That's Tashish. He doesn't have to work for her. We know the wife has to, we learned to, I think it was two, a few missions ago, that the wife has all these chores she has to do. But the husband doesn't have any work responsibilities to his wife. So what do you mean? That, so if she rebels from him, okay, oh, she refuses to do the chores that are expected on her, you decrease her ksuba. But if he refuses to do the chores, she doesn't have any chores. This is no in there is a malach that he's responsible. He says, If he says I refuse to support my wife. So what's the no, it can work with malacha, but malacha here says him working and supporting his wife. So if a man decides, he says to his wife, you know, I'm retiring, and she's like, Well, what are we gonna do about uh, food or whatever? He's like, We'll make a plan. That's not okay. He has to he has to work to support her. So if he's more red as he says, I refuse to support her. That's uh, that's where we will increase Aksuba week by week. It says, Oh, but didn't Rav say that if a man says, I refuse to support my wife and sustain her, he has to divorce her and give her Aksuba? In our case, we said you slowly increase the value of Aksuba, which is twisting his arm to marry her. But... Um, um, but Rav says they must get divorced immediately. So the Gemara answers very insightfully. He says, Balamli by boy. He says, No, because you're going to be consulting with him. I, when he refuses to support his wife, not that I say the next day, okay, write Tsuba uh, and pay her. They're going to discuss it with him. They're going to send him for marriage, they're going to send him for marriage counseling, marriage therapy. And he's going to have to go to counseling. And they're going to chat and try to persuade him to repair, uh, reconcile, and, may, and ha- have them uh, repair their relationship. So in that time, we will increase his suba three by three. But once, I don't know, the four trial sessions with the marriage therapist and the, this and this hasn't worked, then he'll divorce her immediately if he's refusing to support her. Macy, they, they challenged us. Achas Lee says, it makes no difference to me. I this moredes. It doesn't matter whether she's a Arusa, a girl who's done Arusin but refusing to do Nisuyin. She says, I don't want to be intimate with my husband, I'm refusing to do Nisuyin. Or Nisuyin, she's done Nisuyin but she just refuses to be with her husband. Or if she's a Nida, a sick woman, or a, a Nida or a sick woman, even if she's a Shomeris Yavam, she says, I refuse to do Yibum. That's withholding, that's being a moredes from the Yovam. So in all these cases, it makes no difference. Now I'm going to leave out the brackets. It's a discussion whether they should be in, but a very similar discussion takes um, is over the page, so we'll get the details from it over there. It says, now, so it's the last line of the page. It makes sense according to the one who says, what's a moredes? A woman or a man who refused tashmish. She says, I this is why Choyle is included in the list. Again, if a woman is sick, the Irenity, she can still have Tashmish. And therefore, if she says, I'm too sick, I, can, I cannot be with my husband, I'm too sick, that's grounds to say, okay, we're going to start playing with your ksuba, we're going to start twisting your arm to try and get you back. But if she's sickly, and she says, I can't work, 
says, I'm sorry, I don't have the strength to uh, make the beds and do the washing. Then he says, oh, you're more ready, so we're going to decrease your ksuba. That's not fair. So Ella, so, so this Bryce is a kasha on the opinion that said it's melacha. So he says, no, Ella mitashmish kuli amaloi pligi dahavya moredes. Rather, regarding tashmish, everyone agrees that you'd be considered a moredes. I, a woman who refused to be intimate with her husband, or the other way around, the husband who refuses to be intimate with his wife, that is a moredes, and you're just a suicide. Ki pligi, what do they argue on? Mimelacha. If the wife refuses to do the work, or the husband refuses to support his wife, one says if she refuses to do work, she is not considered a meredes. And the one who says no, she is considered a meredes. And then the main thing of whether we define it, obviously we'll deal with her in another way. But the main thing is how do you deal with the meredes? So the mission has given us a very set uh, structure, seven dinarim a week, etc. Going down the tuba. So who has that title? Obviously anyone refusing intimacy with their partner, they're a meredes. Um, just a little bit more subtle. What about if they're refusing to do their chores? Um, yeah, now we're going to bring this bracer that we just mentioned in full and discuss it. Yeah, we're now going to give a different approach to how to deal with the Moretes. Okay, someone who rebels against her husband, and she refuses to be intimate with him, or according to one opinion, he also if she refuses to do work. Um, you decrease weekly the ksuba by seven dinarim, or according seven tarpakayim. Rabbi Seinu took a vote and they decided you warn her publicly um, with public announcements for four weeks on Shabbos one following another and based in send her messages of warning as follows are you aware that even if your ksuba is worth a hundred money you're going to lose your whole ksuba so, yeah, so we're going to see based in basically send her a warning. We're going to take away a hawk, but we're going to announce. They publicly shame her by announcing four weeks in a row in, on Shabbos. Seems when most people are, more people are children during the week. You're going to make this announcement, and you're going to, if after four weeks you haven't reconciled with your husband, you're going to lose your entire super. Um, Oh, says, doesn't matter whether this girl is an Arusa or that's a Moreres is a Arusa or an Asua. Even if she's a Nida or a Choyla, even if she's a Shomeres Yovo. In all those cases, she would be considered a Moreres and you would, not the new way of handling a Moreres is. They'll give her warning for four weeks and then they just take away her whole ksuba. Since Omaleri Bichir Bar Yosef is Shmuel, Bichir Bar Yosef said to Shmuel, Nida Bas Tashmishu, Nida, can a Nida have Tashmish? This is basically what was in the brackets of the previous page. But basically, we said in this Braisa, one makes a woman a Moredes, even if she's a Nida. He says, but wait, this that she can't have 
tashmish with her husband anyway if she's a nida. So why are you saying if she's a nida, she's a, she, she's considered a moreda? She would even if she wasn't a moreda, she can't have tashmish with her husband. He says, He says, no, you can't compare someone who has bread in his basket compared to someone who doesn't have bread in his basket. What was it yesterday that we saw this same uh, phrase again? If someone's starving and they're fasting, but they have a they have a, uh, what's it, uh, a dish in the oven, they'll, be, they'll manage to get through the past. Someone who's fasting, and they don't even know where their next meal is coming from, they're going to struggle much more. Psychologically, it's not horrible. So this man, who, granted, he can't be with his wife now because she's a nidda, but you know, she'll go to mikveh in a few days, and they'll be able to get back together. However, a moredes, he's in his mind, he's like, he's going to go mad. He's like, well, even if she stops being a nida, I'm not going to be able to be with her. So that's why even a nida can be a moredes if she said, I refuse to be with my husband. Yeah, we make the announcements in the shuls and yeshivas. I wear it's very public. And Omar Rabba, Daikin Amidiktani, Abu Shabbos, Zua Chazush, Mamina. And Rabba says it's actually, you can deduce it because it emphasizes on Shabbos. And why else would it be on Shabbos if not to say, make the announcement in shul where it's most public? Shmamina, we learn that from here. It says, Omar Rabba, Chama, Pomayim Sholfim, Lomi Beistin, Achas Koyim, Achros, Bachas, Achar Achros. They send this announcement, this warning to her twice. Either warning that we're going to give you four weeks and you're going to lose your tzibah. They send it before they start making the announcements. And then they send it after they make the announcements, giving her one last chance to reconcile with her husband. Dorat from Nachum Bachizda, Halacha, Karabosainu. And then Bachizda said, the Halacha is like Karabosainu. Either if we don't did deduct from the Ksuba slowly, slowly, seven dinarim a week. We do it all after we give her four weeks warning and then we do it. Oh my Rabba, hi Bukhra. He says, that's incorrect, that's nonsense. There's Oh my Lay, Ramah, my Yitzha, my Bukhra. Oh no, Mirsa Nehile, Ushmei, the Gavir Rabba. Mirsa Nehile. He says, I told it before a great person in the name of the great person. And who is that? Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Khanina. So how can you just tell me it's nonsense? So he says, V'iu, command Sobar. So, 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 okay. So, Rav Nachum had a good source. Oh, sorry, Rav Nachum yeah, Bar Yitzchak was the one who told the church to Rav Nachum Bar Yitzchak, but they had a good source. Rav Yoisi Bar Chanina says, So who did Rav hold like that? He said it's nonsense. Kihodi it's my Rav. Amar Rav Sheshes halacha nimlochim bo. Like Rav said, name of Rav Sheshes, we discussed the matter with her. I again, this means we're going to try resolve the issues in that marriage. We're going to send them for couples therapy. We're going to chat with her, chat with them, try make up the relationship. And then, but with doing that, we're saying we're slowly decreasing the ksuba. That's what it implies. And um, so he would hold like Chaz and Rav Huna, Bar Yehuda, Amar Rav we do not consult with her. I would give her four weeks warning, no discussion, and then we'll take away the whole Tzubah. Hey, Damia Moredes. What's the case of Moredes? I, when would we start reducing the Tzubah to try and force them back together? And the main thrust of the next Machloikas is that there's two reasons. She might say... Um, again, if her main goal is not divorce, she doesn't want to divorce, but she just wants to aggravate her husband, then we're going to try reconcile and fix the marriage. However, if she says she's repulsed by her husband, I clearly things are beyond. She finds him physically repulsive, or she's just disgusted by her husband. There, things have re- the marriage has reached that sort of state, then all she really wants is divorce. 
So those are the two things we're going to focus on, the difference again between where she's not trying to divorce him, she's just trying to harass him, aggravate him. Um, or on the other side, where she's actually wants to divorce him, she says she found him repulsive. So what's the case of Moretus? So It's where she says, I want to remain married to him, I just want to oppress him, I just want to harass him a bit. But if she says, I find him repulsive, then we don't force her. I, um, again, in the first case, she doesn't want to divorce, so therefore we're going to reduce her silver slowly, slowly, until it's zero, and her husband can divorce her. But we're hoping that since she doesn't really want to get divorced, they'll be able to get, go to marriage therapy and uh, resolve the issues, and she'll say, okay, I don't want to just harass. The second scenario is where she says she has no interest in him, and Rashi emphasizes, she says, I don't, I want nothing to do with him. I find him repulsive, and I don't want the ksuba. As soon as she says, I want the ksuba, we're suspicious. Like, what's she trying to get out of this marriage? Is she trying to get out with the ksuba and go marry someone else or something? So it has to be a case where she says, I'm not interested in him or his ksuba. And that's, uh, and that's where we will say, okay, let, they, he divorces her immediately without paying the ksuba. Um, yeah. So Mazutra said, We force her, um, I, we force her to remain married and slowly decrease the ksuba, hoping that they will uh, make up, hoping that they will. Uh, resolve the issues in the marriage. There was a case where he actually forced the couple to remain together. I slowly deducted the ksuma until they resolved. And Rabbi Hanina Misura was born from that marriage. You see, that must be the good practice because if it was a bad marriage, a bad marriage won't produce a great time, a good Tamud Chacham, like Rabbi Hanina from Surah. So it must have been, it's the right move. It says, Velohi, now you can't bring a proof. There it was from the help of Hashem that the marriage worked. Ah, it was more, uh, um, you might have thought that a Tamud Chacham being born from the marriage is a good proof. But actually there it was special that the marriage worked. It's not, once the wife says she finds her husband repulsive, not likely to work. The daughter-in-law Ravzvid um, said she was repulsed by her husband and refused to be with him. And she was holding on to one of the silk cloths. So Yossi, one of her silk robes. We were sitting together, Rav Gamda nearby. The they said that uh, Moiredes even loses the worn-out clothes. Again, remember, clothes she brings into the marriage get written into the ksuba, and she'll get paid there, there in the time of um, divorce. However, the clothes that are still in existence, we let her keep. She might deduct it from the tombas, but we let her keep. In the case of a Moiredes, we make her lose even those worn-out clothing. That's what he's saying. So this... This daughter-in-law Rav Zvid, who took hold of some of her clothes, we're going to make her give them back. Says, says now you're just trying to pass him to suit Rav Zvid, a great sage. It's not the true Allah of that. It says, Rav had this question and he didn't answer. How do we treat the clothes in our cupboard? 
when we're forcing this Morales to get, when we're decreasing her Ksuba and forcing her to get, do we say that she gets to keep the clothes in her cupboard, or do we say she doesn't? And Robert said it's a question. So how can you three rabbis come along and paskin that? She have to take it away from her. You can, again, remember the general rule is you want to take something from your friend, you have to bring proof. They'll have no proof because Robert said it's a question. He doesn't know the answer to, so you can't force it. Some say it was the other way around, that they said, oh, uh, a rebellious woman does not lose out on the worn-out clothes, on the clothes in her cupboard. So, Amalahu, Rav Gamda, Mishumda, Rav Zid, Gamda, Rabbu, Achinalei, Edina, Ayalu. says, ah, it's just because Rav Zid's great and he's going to listen to your pastin, that's why you're forcing this upon, upon him. But it's not the true halacha. She should not get to keep it. So, Hamar, Kahanami, Boy, Boy, Lei, Rav, Rashid, Rav had a question and it wasn't answered. Uh, you can't take the clothes away from, uh, you can't, um, you can't cause Rav Zvid to lose out. She says, Okay. Well, now that we don't, we know, we don't say either way. <laughs> we can't say that these clothes she has to pay for a return. And we don't say that she gets to keep them. We don't know what the halach is. What are we going to do? She says, no. What she's holding on, she doesn't, we don't extract from her. But the clothes that she doesn't have, we're not going to give her them. So I like what she's wearing. Or if she quickly packs a suitcase and puts some of them into, we'll let her keep them. We're not going to take them away from her. But what's left in the cupboard, after she runs out, we're not going to go and return them to her. Again, you leave the money where it is, because to take the money from one of the parties and give it to the other, you would need clearer proof. And then he continues and he says, We make them wait 12 months before we give the divorce document. However, the husband does not have to support her. Now, there's a big question what's this 12 months? Where's this coming from? Is this built on the kind of the concept that we said you give her four weeks and then you cancel it and you say you lost out like the revised version or is this going on a different way of seven denarii a week which which one is it fitting with it's not so clear but i just saw interesting the rosh says this is a new takana he realized that Husbands and wives were having more fights. They, real, they realized there was a problem in the community, that the wives were often becoming moredes. Again, you have to analyze, depending on how you fit it in, is it she's a moredes because she's, she just wants to bully her husband? Or is, it, is she a moredes because she's repulsed by her husband? But it seems lots of uh, Jewish, it seems more from the second one, a lot of Jewish girls are saying they find their husbands repulsive. Um... And therefore, they changed from the seven denarium way and the four-week warning to say, give it 12 months. They don't have to stay together. The husband doesn't have to support his wife. We're not going to give her a get. We want them to try and resolve it. That's why we're not allowing a get. And we want them to try and resolve it. They'll go to marriage therapy. They'll talk it out. They'll uh, hopefully get back together. Again, because they noticed this issue of uh, too many women um, just saying, I found my husband repulsive. So they had to real, they realized that they had to deal with it in a slightly different way. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today. We'll continue with yeah. the next one. Yeah.